Saturday marks the end of federal emergency funding for child care facilities during the pandemic. You know, you do the math like any other business and the math doesn't add up. This is what I need. This is what I'm going to bring in. It's not there. It's Thursday, September 28th. This is WBUR's All Things Considered. Good afternoon. I'm Sharon Brody in Fort Lisa Mullins. Coming up, you'll hear from WBUR reporter Walter Wuthman about what a federal government shutdown would mean for Massachusetts. Some 25,000 federal workers in the state would be without pay, and a shutdown also could affect food assistance, air travel, and disaster relief. In the 2024 presidential election, voters may be choosing between an 81-year-old and a 78-year-old, which does not sound great to some people in that age range. I do believe in the wisdom of age, but I know that I process slower, and I know that my friends do. It's 401 First This News. Live from NPR News, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Biden's warning of threats to U.S. democracy. Will we put partisanship aside? And put country first. Biden just delivered a speech at Arizona State University, home of the McCain Institute, in honor of Biden's longtime friend, the late Republican Senator John McCain. Arizona is also one of the states where former President Donald Trump challenged Biden's narrow victory in 2020. Trump and allies are now criminally charged in Georgia and the District of Columbia with breaking laws in their attempt to overturn the last election's results. Trump is on track to winning the Republican presidential nomination again. A Republican-led House committee's focus on an impeachment inquiry against Biden as Congress remains at an impasse that could lead to a government shutdown this weekend. Here's NPR's Claudia Grisales. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer and other Republicans focused in on President Biden's son Hunter and his previous business dealings. By opening an impeachment inquiry, our investigation is now focused on whether President Biden engaged in impeachable offenses under the U.S. Constitution. But Oversight's top Democrat, Jamie Raskin, said Republicans have failed to prove any wrongdoing by the president. If the Republicans had a smoking gun or even a dripping water pistol, they would be presenting it today, but they've got nothing on Joe Biden. Raskin has argued Republicans should let the Justice Department do its job in a criminal case now facing Hunter Biden and not confuse that with the president's conduct. Claudia Grisales, NBR News. New Jersey U.S. Senator Robert Menendez is still resisting calls from his own party to resign. Here's NPR's Jimena Bustillo. The Democratic senator is telling his fellow Democrats that he will not be resigning. This is after several of his own party members have asked him to. Afterwards, Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania said he would consider an effort to expel Menendez. Menendez pleaded not guilty earlier this week to bribery charges in a federal court in Manhattan. The senator was released on a $100,000 bail. Jimena Bustillo, NPR News, Washington. In Kyiv, the Secretary General of NATO says he's asking member states to send additional air defense systems to Ukraine. Here's NPR's Dranka Kisses. Speaking to reporters in Kyiv, Jens Stoltenberg praised Ukraine as it inches forward in recapturing Russian-occupied land. But he acknowledged that it would be a long counteroffensive. That's why he says NATO has secured more than $2.5 billion of contracts for ammunition. This will help allies to refill their stocks while continuing to support Ukraine. And he added Ukraine's future is in NATO. As we work together to prepare you for that future, NATO will stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. Joanna Kakesis, NPR News, Kyiv. The Dow closes up 116 points. This is NPR News.
This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody in Boston. A tax relief package is headed to Governor Maura Healey's desk. State senators approved the measure today after the House passed it yesterday. The package includes expanded tax credits for renters and for people with children. It also includes tax breaks and other reforms totaling $561 million this year. Senator Ed Markey has introduced legislation to invest $1.6 trillion into America's public school systems over the next decade. The Massachusetts Democrat calls the bill the Green New Deal for Public Schools. He says the money would be used to upgrade school buildings and reduce hazardous pollution in public schools. The National Transportation Safety Board says a private jet crash in 2021 that killed two Boston doctors probably was caused by a parking brake being left on during takeoff. That crash in central Connecticut killed all four people on board. Four people on the ground also were injured. It's 4.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Imaginable Futures, celebrating the hard work, commitment, and achievements of the one in five college students who are parents. More at imaginablefutures.com. Tonight, the Red Sox face the Orioles in Baltimore. It's the first game of Boston's final series of the season. It is 63 degrees in Boston, lows tonight in the low 50s. Tomorrow, a slight chance of some rain and highs in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Margulies Peruzzi, designing buildings and inspired workplaces that help companies reach their goals. Hybrid workplace strategy reports and more at mparchitectsboston.com. And Clark, where you can experience Sub-Zero and Wolf appliances with a personal consultant to make informed selections for your home. Details at clarkliving.com. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. We're living in a world where oftentimes it's only those who can afford a subscription who have access to many of the most credible, high-quality news sources. However, WBUR is available to anyone, anywhere, anytime, and for free. But we can't take our future for granted. So giving 10 or $20 a month will help give our journalism a strong future for you and for everyone. Give monthly, if you can, at WBUR.org. And our fundraising goal is for 2,500 listeners to become monthly contributors to WBUR. And that's why we're asking you right now for your monthly contribution. It will go uh, such a long way towards keeping our journalism strong, uh, not just for you, but for the entire community. So the number to call is 1-800-909-9287. You can also give at WBUR.org. I'm Sharon Brody. With me in the studio is Jay Clayton. Hey, Jay. Hey, Sharon. And you know... We want to encourage you to give this afternoon, and we didn't show up empty-handed. We've got a couple of nice ways to say thank you that will tempt your inner foodie and your inner traveler, your inner adventurer. Otto Lenghi, the world-famous chef and really revolutionary in the food industry, All of his great restaurants are in London, and we would like to give you a chance to win a trip for two to go to London and experience those restaurants. You'll get in on that when you make your contribution right now to WBUR. And we'd like to send you his latest cookbook. If you make a contribution of $12 a month to help sustain this journalism, we will send you that book as our thanks. Do that right now because the time is not long on this opportunity. Go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. It's important for me to be a WBUR member because it doesn't seem right that I would be getting all of this information, all of this news 
and find joy in some of the other programs if I wasn't paying for it and I wasn't supporting it. It's a nice opportunity to participate in the programming and the ideas that the station promotes. I think we all get to say something with our money, even if we give modest amounts. With that money, we make something happen. Your modest monthly gift will make a meaningful difference. Give monthly at WBUR.org. Or call 1-800-909-9287. Thank you so much to those listeners you just heard and to all listeners who have already uh, made their contribution. If you haven't yet, then this is your time. Make a monthly contribution because, as you kind of picked up from what those listeners were saying, when you support WBUR, uh, we're, we're banding together towards the common goal of bringing you this journalism service that is here for the entire community. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. NPR and WBUR still very much believe in boots on the ground journalism. We've got a deep newsroom sitting behind Sharon and me. NPR has an even bigger one and the cost of maintaining these newsrooms is flat out enormous. It's why so many newsrooms are shrinking and so many newspapers are disappearing across our country. We need your help. We need more members and more member dollars to sustain this service that sustains you every day. So become a member today. You can get the Otto Lenghi cookbook, his latest bestseller, as our thanks for your contribution of $12 a month. And when you do that or make any contribution, you'll get a chance to go to London, a trip for two valued at $7,000, including the opportunity to dine at four Otto Lenghi restaurants that, by the way, are only in London. So this is really a special trip. Take advantage of it. Support your station, WBUR.org or 1-800-909-9287. This is your chance to take that step to support the station that matters so much to you, that you count on for the journalism and the storytelling that makes a difference in your life. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, make that monthly contribution. You will make a difference. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And thanks. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Stanhill Framers, Back Bay, and Somerville, celebrating 51 years of museum-quality custom frames for individuals, artists, and businesses. StanhopeFramers.com. And Greener You, a design-build climate action firm helping organizations meet their energy, carbon, and climate goals. Learn more at GreenerU.com. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Ari Shapiro. And I'm Scott Detrow. The other day in Zelianople, Pennsylvania, I asked 88-year-old David Reckless what's changed for him since he was 80. Energy. Energy? <laughs> I used to be more or less the energy bunny, you know. I mean, I still work out, you know. You seem pretty energetic. Uh, yeah, I know, but uh, <laughs> it's not what you think. More naps in my day, you know, that kind of thing. It's a question that's pretty relevant to next year's presidential election. Because President Joe Biden, who's 80 now, is running for a second term. He'd be 86 at the end of it. And Biden's most likely opponent, former President Donald Trump, is 77. To put it another way, if you judge it by the age at the start of their term, there's a good chance that next year voters will be choosing between the oldest and the second oldest presidents in U.S. history. My personal opinion is that neither one should be running. Things go downhill in a hurry sometimes. And... Uh, 
I think uh, both of them are probably in pretty good health right now, but two, three, four years down the road, I'd be concerned about that. For all the issues out there, including Trump's multiple felony indictments and upcoming trials, age, particularly Biden's age, has become a big factor in the race. Biden often jokes about it. I know I don't look that old, I know. I'm a little under 103. But when he stumbles in a speech or in real life... We do begin tonight with the frightening image today, President Biden falling on stage at the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado It gets a lot of attention. And a slew of recent polls show voters have concerns. According to a new CBS poll, only 34% of voters think President Biden would actually make it through a second term if reelected. We decided to talk about all of this with some experts, older voters, people around the age of Trump and Biden. And not just any group of seniors, Seniors who live in western Pennsylvania, a place that will have an outsized role in deciding the next president. At our first stop, the Vintage Center for Active Adults in Pittsburgh, producer Connor Donovan and I ran into a problem. We wanted to interview people in a line dancing class. The organizers demanded a bit of a quid pro quo. Yeah, you want something from us, we want something from you too. What's that? You want to have to do a dance with us. That's fair. Okay. Good. All right. We hit the dance floor. This is a little call-out dance that Stella going to call it out. Okay. Easy dance. Okay, here we go. All right, let's do it. And I'll admit, I struggled with some of the crossover steps especially. Way more than the regulars, like 70-year-old Nettie Henning. She's line dancing five times a week. And that's just one item on her packed schedule. I sew, I play pinochle, I am learning bridge. Oh, yeah? I like things that challenge my, my brain. Henning says in theory she would like to see someone younger step up. But she supports Biden and thinks the questions about his age are being blown out of proportion. Sometimes does he look tired? Yeah. Heck, when I travel abroad, when I was much younger, I would be tired. Yeah. So I think that his health is in good standing. Her fellow line dancer, Len Zappler, sees things differently. He's 85, about the age Biden would be at the end of a second term. My chief worry is I'm losing it. And he's on the verge of losing it, I think. So I wouldn't want this guy out there running the the show. So when you think about his age and his ability to do the job, you're thinking about yourself? I'm thinking about, yeah. At the same time, Zappler is also a good example of a dynamic Biden's advisors repeatedly point to when asked about these polls showing so many voter concerns about Biden's age. They say all of that changes when voters think about the race as a choice. Zappler is a Republican. He voted for Trump in 2016 and again in 2020. But he says after the past few years, can't do it again. I'd be hard-pressed to vote. But I think I'd vote for Biden if I had to. Yeah. But I, I, I hope he has a very stalwart and capable vice president. That's what I'm, I would pray for. To dig deeper into how older voters are thinking about all of this, we gathered a group from the greater Pittsburgh area. People from different political backgrounds who we sat down with at the Passivant community run by Lutheran Senior Life. And while more than one of our interviewees told us that age is just a number, we will start by having them list their ages. Susan Hughes. Uh, I'll be 77 in a couple weeks. John Fuller. I'm 81. Rosalie Bablack. I was 86 on Tuesday. And Preston Scheimer. And I'm 84. Oh, I am the youngest. You are. (laughs) The panelists all agree on one thing, that young people have a lot of misconceptions about what it means to get older. 
Here's John. We live in a society where obsolescence is a reality. We discard things. We get rid of it. I, I think young people sometimes think that older people are the same way. And Rosalie. I think it's important that we let young people know it's not frightful. Mm -hmm. The passage of life is good, and it's good at being old. We enjoy ourselves, too. We have fun. But when it comes to the age of the likely presidential candidates in 2024, views begin to diverge. When you see coverage of President Biden, when you pay attention to the news, what, what has stood out to you? What stands out to me is that Joe Biden is coping with his aging process very well. He's kept his diet down. He's lean and, and slim. His mental acuity is sharp as anything. You couldn't accomplish what he's done. Trump is a little bit different in that he represents a heart attack waiting to happen because he's proud of the fact that he eats McDonald's on a regular basis and those kind of things. And his lifestyle is one that um, makes me wonder about his health. What about you, John? I would say looking at the two, the optics tell me Trump would be the better candidate from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, from a cognitive standpoint, probably they're about the same. Rosalie, what about you? Well, I honestly wish we had younger candidates because I do believe in the wisdom of age, but I know that I process slower and I know that my friends do. And the world is very dangerous. We have enemies. We have someone who sits in the Oval Office who's going to touch the button if we're going to have nuclear war. As I look at President Biden, I have real concerns. Is there anything particular that stood in your mind that you saw that, that made you say that? Yes. I think the way he walks stiffly, I understand that. We've had walking classes here. And sometimes when he seems not to be able to remember things, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're only assessing from the outside. Um, when I look at President Trump, I think, and I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this, I think he's a street fighter. I like you him. You can say it. I think we fared well under him. I don't like the personal attacks that we are seeing. I think we've come a long way from the civility that I'd like to see. Sue, what about you? I think Rosalie had a great answer, and I would add that I think it's time to pass the baton, because if you don't train the people behind you, there's going to be a vacuum. We've got lots of capable people in their 50s, and I feel sad that people feel the need to hold on to power. Yeah. Now, you've all kind of hinted at this. There's the age issue in this election, but there's a lot of big political issues to talk about right now. So I'm wondering, of all the things you're thinking about when you're thinking about this election, where does the age of the candidates fit in? The wisdom that I got from my father-in-law, who's a um, professor of history at Cornell, was you evaluate the person based on the people that that man or woman also brings to the table. Who are they going to be their advisors? Because you're basically electing a team. I think it's clear that I think that Biden is, has a far better team of course, I would kind of disagree <laughs> because I like Pompeo and some of them, you know. But he didn't last. <laughs> um, there's still policies that I like. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm a Catholic and Joe Biden says he's a Catholic and he isn't standing by the things that I abide by. 
Are you particularly talking about abortion? That's one of the things. There are other things uh, because I feel like life is valuable. Mm -hmm. And my concern with all of this is that we're saying to our young people that human life has no value. Let me put this in, into the broader context of the race with a couple show of hands questions. How many of you think generally President Biden's doing a good job as president? We got two hands, one kind of so-so. <laughs> How many of you thought President Trump did a good job as president? Rosalie's got her hand up. <laughs> of course. Sue, what about you? I'm a Republican and I favor the policies that uh, the Trump-Pence team put forward. But uh, one thing that bothered me and caused me then to vote for President Biden was Mr. Trump's character. Mm -hmm. It's just tearing apart the fabric of our culture, I think. When I look at Trump and I look at Biden, I feel very good that in Biden's administration, there seems to be order. In Trump's administration, there was always consternation. <laughs> always challenged, and he was on the news every day. So, and of course, you don't have that with President Biden. I, I personally like that. Any advice you would give to Joe Biden or Donald Trump <laughs> as, as you sit here in front of a microphone? Make your legacy in recruiting and passing on for the good of the country. And the same with Mitch McConnell and Einstein. It's just kind of embarrassing. I guess my advice to Donald Trump would be to tell the truth for a change. My advice to um, Joe Biden would be learn how to camouflage your walk because that's where the criticism is coming from. I guess it would just be candid on the subject. Yeah. Advice to both, don't run. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming and having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you. You're welcome. Thanks to you. You're welcome. That was John Fuller, Preston Scheimer, Susan Hughes, and Rosalie Bablack, senior voters who will help decide who wins Pennsylvania, maybe the election, and next year's presidential race. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. Good afternoon. I'm Sharon Brody. This is 90.9 WBUR. Coming up, our conversation with WBUR's Walter Wuthman about what a federal government shutdown would mean for Massachusetts. On Wall Street, the Dow closed up 116 points today. The S&P closed up 25 points. The Nasdaq was up 108 points. This is WBUR. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Spalding Rehabilitation. For expert care, turn to Spalding with three inpatient hospitals, a skilled nursing facility, and outpatient centers across Eastern Mass, Spalding is a world leader in advanced rehab treatment and research. U.S. News ranks Spalding number two for rehab care in the country. SpaldingRehab.org. And Office of the Massachusetts State Treasurer. Check to see if you have unclaimed property at findmassmoney.gov. It is 63 degrees in Boston. Tonight, the lows will drop to the mid-50s. Tomorrow, a slight chance of some rain and highs on Friday in the mid-60s. This is 90.9 WBUR. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Ocean State Job Lot, whose charitable foundation strives to make a positive impact on its communities. More at OceanStateJobLot.com. And Stepping Stone, for a future where all students have access to a college education. Learn how you can support Boston students today at steppingstone.org.
This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody. With me in the studio is Jay Clayton, and we are urging you to call 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And we are encouraging you to do that right this very second. Not a minute from now, not 10 minutes from now, but now. Why is that, Jay? Well, because it's our fall fundraiser, and first <laughs> There's off. That. There's and, that. Yep, and we are working toward a goal of asking 2,500 WBUR listeners, including you, if you're not already a monthly giver, to become a monthly giver, because that ongoing support, that automatic support each and every month is what will sustain WBUR into a strong future. And if you can make that contribution right now, that monthly gift will be tripled. You heard that right. It will be tripled by other WBUR donors. So, for example, if you give $12 a month, it'll become $36 a month for WBUR. If you give $24, it becomes $72 a month for WBUR. This is powerful. This is the best time to give because it's when your money will have the biggest impact, not just this month, but every month for the coming year. That monthly gift of yours will be matched if you start it right now. Get in on this triple match. It's only going to last until 4.30, which is almost here. You've got about five minutes to get in on this match. Here's how you do it. Go to WBUR.org. That's WBUR.org. Or call 1-800-909-9287. And keep this in mind, maybe you already are a generous monthly contributor to WBUR. You could add a little bit to your monthly contribution. Maybe add an extra dollar or two to your extra contribution. You do that by calling 1-800-909-9287 or by going to WBUR.org. When you add on that extra little bit, that extra little bit also gets tri- tripled. So if you add an extra $2 a month, that's, you know, an extra $6 a month that WBUR is picking up from your generosity. 1-800-909-9287. Or WBUR.org. Again, just to recap, you've got four more minutes to get in on a triple match for WBUR. When you become a monthly contributor, when you start that monthly contribution right now and just for the next four minutes, your money will be tripled not just this month, but every single month for the next year. That is powerful support for journalism that sustains you every day. So get to the phone, 1-800-909-9287. Or the web, WBUR.org. Again, you've only got four minutes to get in. Now three minutes to get in on this triple match. 1-800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287. And WBUR.org. And, you know, make no mistake, uh, WBUR is and always will be free. It is a public good. And... uh, it's available to everyone. We, we don't have paywalls. You can turn on the radio, listen to the app. You can listen, you know, streaming online any way you choose to listen. We are here for you. But if you can make a monthly contribution, that's how you sustain this public good. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And in the next ooh, minute and a half, two minutes, when you do that, your gift is tripled. 
It's that, matched three times. That's right. 1-800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287 to get in on the triple match or WBUR.org. Only a couple of more minutes this match window is open. One of our colleagues uh, the other day said, think about it this way. Think about whatever money you've got in your wallet right now and imagine that it just magically triples <laughs> and that that happens every month for the next year. Well, that's the effect you will have on WBUR just for starting your monthly gift right now during this triple match window. It's open for only about another minute and a half. So don't do this if you're driving. Pull over if you can. You know, And if you're not driving, if you're home right now, perfect time to give because whatever you do with a monthly gift right now becomes triple for the next year for WBUR and all the journalism that you count on. To get in on it, this is your last opportunity. Call 1-800-909-9287, 1-800-909-9287, or Your $12 a month becomes $36 a month. Your $100 a month becomes $300 a month. You can do the math, but the most important thing is for you to make the phone call or go online. one 800 909 9287 or go to wbur.org. Now just a few seconds left because we're going to news headlines at 4.30. Less than 30 seconds from now, so call. Get in on the match. 1-800-909-9287. Also your last chance to triple match your gift, your monthly gift, at wbur.org. Thanks so much. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from Amgen, a biotechnology company working to fight the world's toughest diseases. In a new era of human health, Amgen is dedicated to accelerating the pace of change to push beyond what's known today. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Nervive Nerve Relief, Nervive is designed to reduce occasional nerve aches, weakness, and discomfort in hands or feet due to aging. Learn more at NerviveHealth.com. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Live from NPR News in Culver City, California, I'm Dwayne Brown. Speaking in Tempe, Arizona this afternoon, President Biden focused on the importance of the country's institutions to preserve democracy as he seeks a second term in office. Biden warning that Donald Trump and his allies pose a dangerous threat to American democracy. Our commitment should be no less because democracy should unite all Americans regardless of political affiliation. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy, the MAGA movement. President Biden says he doesn't think all Republicans ascribe to Trump's Make America Great Again slogan, but he says there's no question that the GOP is driven and intimidated by Republican extremists. Trump faces 91 criminal charges and four indictments as he seeks to return to the White House. Biden's speech today comes days before a likely partial government shutdown forced by Republicans loyal to Trump in the House of Representatives. In Texas, a 29-year-old man has pleaded guilty to multiple counts related to the human smuggling deaths last year of more than 50 migrants in San Antonio. From Texas Public Radio, Brian Kirkpatrick has more on one of the deadliest cases in recent history. 
Christian Martinez of Palestine, Texas, entered his plea in San Antonio federal court this week. He could be sentenced to life in prison in January. Federal prosecutors say Martinez transported the driver of a smuggling truck from East Texas to San Antonio and that Martinez knew what the driver intended to do. That driver then took the truck to Laredo to pick up the migrants. All of the 53 victims died of heat-related illnesses after riding in the back of the sweltering truck up from the border. I'm Brian Kirkpatrick in San Antonio. On Wall Street, stocks finished higher today. The Dow up 116 points. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody in Boston. The head of the State Cannabis Control Commission is suing the state treasurer. Shannon O'Brien says Treasurer Deb Goldberg sidestepped the law when Goldberg suspended O'Brien earlier this month. The treasurer says O'Brien was disciplined after fellow commissioners made several serious unspecified allegations about her behavior. The state has hired an outside investigator to look into the complaints. A new office at the MBTA will focus on climate change. Transit officials say the goal involves reducing greenhouse gas emissions and preparing the system for the impact of climate change. WBUR's Andrea Perdomo Hernandez reports the T announced the effort at a meeting earlier today. The T's assistant general manager for policy and strategic planning, Lindsay Heffernan, will lead the climate team. Heffernan says staff will work with the T's environmental experts on long-term planning and how to meet the T's sustainability goals. Our work around climate adaptation is going to take some extra effort for us, and we're going to need to build out more staff capacity to think about how do we get to the goals that the governor has set and is talking about for 2050 and even, even beyond. Part of the governor's climate goals include running public transportation with clean energy by 2040 and reaching net zero emissions as a state by 2050. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Andrea Perdomo-Hernandez. Resident assistants at Tufts have ratified their first contract with the university. Union leaders say the vote was 99 to 4 in favor of the three-year agreement. It includes 80 free meals per semester and a housing stipend of just over $1,400 each semester. It's 63 degrees in Boston. The low tonight will drop to the mid-50s. A slight chance of some rain tomorrow and Friday's temperatures in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. WBUR supporters include the Boston Book Festival, where you can see historian Heather Cox Richardson live and in person. It's free thanks to sponsors like Stone Foundation. Details at bostonbookfest.org. And the Umbrella Art Center, presenting Lizzie. Lizzie Borden finally gets her say in this ghost story meets rock concert musical. Now through November 5th. More at theumbrellaarts.org. This is WBUR's All Things Considered. I'm Sharon Brody and for Lisa Mullins. Republicans in the U.S. House still have not been able to bridge their differences on the budget. And with the Saturday deadline rapidly approaching, a federal government shutdown is looking increasingly likely. WBUR's Walter Wuthman has been exploring how a shutdown might affect us here in Massachusetts. And Walt joins us now. Hi, Walt. Hey, Sharon. First, how likely is it that the House will pass some kind of short-term funding plan to keep the government open? So members of our congressional delegation feel it's basically all but certain at this point that the government will shut down on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Democrats are trying to sound the alarm. They say they'd be willing to vote with moderate Republicans to pass a spending bill. Here's Congressman Jim McGovern on Radio Boston just earlier today. I've lived through shutdowns. 
Um, others in the delegation have lived through shutdowns. They are a bad thing. They hurt a lot of people, not to mention the fact that they have a lasting negative impact on our economy. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, effects, starting with the short-term effects. What would happen in Massachusetts if the government is shut down on Sunday? So the immediate impacts would be to federal employees. There are over 25,000 federal workers in Massachusetts, and they would be furloughed or have to work without pay. That could impact you if you have to interface with a a federal government office for help um, during a partial government shutdown. There are also 15,000 active duty and reserve service members in Massachusetts. They would be forced to work without pay as well. And then at the airports, there are almost 1,200 TSA officers and 64 air traffic controllers who would have to keep working without compensation. In previous shutdowns, that's led to delays and longer wait times um, at places like Logan. But Congressman Jake Auchincloss says he's most worried about the impacts of an extended shutdown. The effects of a government shutdown compound over time. So in the very near term, it's just the federal employees and maybe those constituents trying to make changes with Social Security or Medicare who might be affected. But in the medium to long term, all the wheels start to grind to a halt. The shutdown four years ago lasted more than a month, and that's when you start to see the bigger impacts. Right. Well, what are leaders saying they're most concerned about in the case of a long-term shutdown now? Food assistance is a major one. Um, So there are two federally supported programs, WIC for Women, Infants, and Children, and SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Governor Maura Healy's office says the state has some money allocated to cover WIC so families would not lose their benefits immediately. But about one in seven people in Massachusetts use SNAP. Government officials say SNAP benefits should be able to continue uninterrupted through October. But if a shutdown lasts longer than that, people could start losing access to food. Here's Laura Fisher. She's the executive director of Just Roots, which is which is a community farm in Greenfield. It's just going to be the case that if the government shuts down, more and more of the individuals that we're working with, that we're serving, that we're helping to feed, those folks are just going to feel the pinch that much more. Fisher says apart from hurting her customers, losing that income would also hurt the farm's bottom line. Uh, It's also a time that they're trying to recover from this summer's heavy rains. Sure. Um, Well, what would a shutdown mean in terms of federal emergency response in the case of another natural disaster? So payments from the Federal Emergency Management Agency should continue, but money for any future disasters could be at risk. FEMA's Disaster Relief Fund is running out of money, and congressional leaders say that it will be depleted in the near future, even without a shutdown. They need to come to an agreement um, on replenishing that fund. We've asked FEMA and the governor's office for more information on how Massachusetts locations hit by the summer's heavy rains and flooding could be affected. We'll report on that as soon as we have it. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's WBUR reporter Walter Wuthman. It's no exaggeration to say that government money saved childcare during the pandemic. Congress approved unprecedented levels of spending to ensure essential workers had somewhere to send their kids. But in two days, most of that funding is ending, which means that working parents may start seeing changes, even tuition hikes, as childcare providers figure out how to survive. NPR's Andrea Shu reports. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. 
At a place to grow in Oak Hill, West Virginia, a dozen two-year-olds prance about to their favorite tunes alongside their two teachers. This kind of ratio is a luxury in daycares and a mark of quality. And quality is what Melissa Colagrasso has been all about since she founded this center 28 years ago. Most of the time, children raised in a good quality childcare, you can see the difference in their resilience and their people skills and their ability to learn. But now with pandemic era funds drying up, Colagrasso's ability to carry on with that same level of quality is under threat. We're gonna have to slow down payroll. We're gonna have to cut everywhere we can cut. Soon, no more paid sick leave, no more floating staff to help with diapers or lunch or with the little one who's having a bad day. Running a daycare in this low-income rural community has never been easy. Parents can't afford to pay much. And for families who qualify for government subsidies, Colorado gets even less. Year after year, she has struggled to make it work. The number of times that payroll would come up, I don't have it. But the pandemic brought some breathing room. First, the state stepped in and made childcare free for all essential workers, ensuring daycare is a supply of families. Then in 2021, Congress came to the rescue with $24 billion to stabilize the childcare sector as part of the American Rescue Plan. It got the momentum going where it needed to go. The money started flowing, and over the past year, A Place to Grow has received $27,000 a month. And what a difference it's made for the children and the staff. So this is all new since we did this with ARP funding. Colagrasso shows me the new outdoor classroom, the swing set the kids had begged for, the pedal scooters that help with gross motor skills. All of that with pandemic money, this was just an empty field. Kids would come out here and run and didn't have equipment. And then there's what's gone to the staff. Before the pandemic, Colagrasso would start teachers at minimum wage, $8.75 an hour, typical for daycare teachers who are among the lowest paid workers in America. She would try to give them 25 cent raises every year. Maybe a good year, I'd do 40 cents an hour raise. But thanks to that federal money, she's given $1 an hour raises in each of the past three years. She added paid sick leave for the first time for even part-timers. And here's the big one. Since last fall, she's been giving teachers a $200 bonus in every paycheck. You don't have to do anything but just be here. Show up, don't call off, be on time. So that was an extra $400 a month. And wait, there's more. The state also sent federal dollars directly to daycare teachers. Destiny Vansicle says a $2,500 check from the government changed her life. With the bonuses we receive and everything, I was able to put a down payment towards a house. A two-bedroom place right next to her sister. No small feat for a young mother of two who had been living in low-income housing. It's been really nice to have our own place and having my boys being able to have a yard because at Pine All, we didn't really have a yard to play in. In the preschool room, Tina G, who's worked here for 13 years, says the extra cash allowed her to give her 9- and 12-year-old daughters Christmas for the first time. They got brand new bikes. Both my girls got new kayaks. And she treated herself to something, too. She'd had a series of used cars that broke down all the time. So she bought herself a brand new car. I took on bills that I was finally able to afford because of the extra money. It felt like the work I was doing was finally being acknowledged. Like, I feel like my pay matches the hard work I put in. But that satisfaction was short-lived. With the federal funds ending, so have those $200 bonuses. Already, Tina G is behind on her car payment. I guess maybe it was our fault for getting used to it, thinking it was going to be more than temporary. A bill in Congress to extend childcare funding has gone nowhere. West Virginia and other states are trying to help out. 
But still, Melissa Colagrasso is facing deeper cuts. You know, you do the math like any other business and the math doesn't add up. This is what I need. This is what I'm going to bring in. It's not there. She says for years, she thought elected leaders just didn't understand the value of childcare, didn't understand that without affordable options, people can't go to work. But then she says... The pandemic hit and all this money came. And I thought, oh, they did understand. All along, they understood. They just didn't prioritize it. She's afraid the same is true once again. After a moment in which America finally recognized childcare as critical, not just for families, but for the economy, She's stunned that lessons learned are so soon forgotten. Andrea Hsu, NPR News, Oak Hill, West Virginia. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Winchester Natural Health. Services focusing on conditions like endometriosis, thyroid support, and pain management. WinchesterNaturalHealth.com. I'm Daryl C. Murphy. The journalism you get from WBUR depends on a strong foundation of listener support. And that's why your monthly gift is crucial. Make a modest monthly contribution that will have deep meaning and a big impact every day. Give now at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. That is 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. Both excellent ways to make your monthly contribution to support WBUR, we are proud to be your home for independent journalism. We know you're counting on us. We want to be here uh, for you now and for generations to come. Um, Our future actually isn't guaranteed. Uh, It counts on you. Listener support is our biggest source of funding, and we are counting on you to make that monthly contribution. Thank you if you've already done so. If not, Please do that now, 1-800-909-9287, or go to WBUR.org. I'm Sharon Brody, and Jay Clayton's in the studio with me. Hey, Sharon. You know, when you stop and think about it for a second, journalism has been existing in a state of crisis for really many years now. Decline of newsrooms around the country, primarily at newspapers, but elsewhere, too. And it's happening at a time where there is political pressure on journalism, there is economic pressure on journalism, and at the same time, there is misinformation and disinformation that needs to be combated with facts and truth. WBUR serves that purpose, but we cannot do it without adequate listener support. So this whole fundraiser is about coming to you and saying, you know, if you can start a monthly gift, if you can do a little bit that is ongoing each month, automatic each month, that simple thing will go a long way to securing a stronger future for WBUR. So if you can do that right now, we would greatly appreciate it. And it will all come right back to you and more of the journalism that you've come to count on. All you have to do is take a moment, go to the phone, give us a call at one 800 909 9287. I say go to the phone as though it's not right in your back pocket. <laughs> but anyway, um, pick up that phone. Go to call WBUR at 1-800-909-9287 or just click WBUR.org. You know, if you have a wall phone, you are welcome to go over to it. You know, we support that as well. You could that. Yes, and, and welcome to 1975. <laughs> um, you know, our goal in this fall fundraiser is for 2,500 people to become monthly givers to WBUR. But here's a little secret just between me and you. You don't actually have to worry about 2,499 
other people. All you have to do is make that contribution yourself. Please make a monthly contribution and support WBUR the way you count on us. We're counting on you to come through now. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And Sharon and I come bearing gifts and boy, there's some great ones. We've got Otto Lenghi's uh, best-selling cookbook, his latest one, Extra Good Things. The New York Times bestseller, we would love to send you that as our thanks for your contribution to WBUR, $12 a month. And that, or any contribution that you make this afternoon, gets you a shot at winning a trip for two to London valued at $7,000. It includes dinner or any of the meals you'd like at four Otto Lenghi restaurants. The only place to experience his food made by his trained chefs is in London. So we will send you right to the source if you win this trip and your chance ends soon. So get in on that with your contribution right now and make it a monthly contribution and pick up the cookbook as our thanks for doing that. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. That would be quite an adventure. Go ahead and get in on that. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. Your monthly contribution. Uh, and remember, your monthly contribution of $12 a month, you can get that Otto Lenge cookbook, which is great even if you you know, aren't sure whether you're going to win the uh, trip to London for two. Uh, but that is a great, great uh, reward uh, for your support of WBUR in and of itself. Uh, so $12 a month is what keeps WBUR thriving. It is your support that matters. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. Yeah. And so just to review, so you could, you know, possibly win the trip for two to London to go to the Otto Lange restaurants there, four of them while you're on the, on the trip. And of course, all the other sites of London that you'll get to see and experience there. And you could get the cookbook as a definite because we still have some. So you can take advantage of that with your contribution of $12 a month. And of course, the ultimate reward, you'll know this journalism is just a little stronger thanks to your support each month. So go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And thanks for doing it. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. And from the Lodestar Foundation, inspired by the principle that helping someone else less fortunate is a path to a happier, healthier, and more meaningful life. Learn more at lodestarfoundation.org. This is NPR. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Elsa Chang. And I'm Ari Shapiro. In a minute, we'll have the story of how one North Carolina company revolutionized furniture manufacturing and why it suddenly had to shut down. First, the movement for federal student loan cancellation ran into a wall this summer when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down President Biden's big debt relief plan. Next month, government shutdown or not, millions of borrowers will be expected to get back to paying those student loans. But at a recent meeting of black leaders and activists, the message was clear. The fight for debt cancellation is not over. NPR's Corey Turner reports. Good afternoon. It is wonderful to be here with you Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, a Massachusetts Democrat, has been a fierce advocate for cancellation. I will not mince words. Let me state it plainly. 
Student debt cancellation is essential. Presley was moderating a panel recently on student debt with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. She pointed out black students have to borrow more to attend college than their white peers and are more likely to default because of generational wealth and opportunity gaps that are older than the country itself. We are fighting an uphill battle. Another panelist, Wisdom Cole with the NAACP, drew a straight line between debt relief and America's original sin of slavery. Broad-based cancellation is one of the only solutions that is closest to reparations in America today. New research suggests black college grads born in the 1970s and 80s have been so burdened by student debt that they're not really building more wealth than black high school graduates. In the words of Congresswoman Presley, It is a crisis for black America. Cole asked the crowd, which was full of well-dressed professionals of all ages. Raise your hand if you have student debt. Even the panelists seemed taken aback when just about every hand in the ballroom went up. Okay, somebody get this visual for me. I know, right? <laughs> One more time. No, no, Ricardo, come up here. Presley called a member of her staff up to the stage to take a picture of this sea of raised hands. You know, I have to keep reminding folks, this is not an appeal for charity or benevolence. This is an appeal for restorative justice. This is an appeal for reciprocity because it is the multi-generational multiracial movement that delivered this White House. But there's still no broad-based debt relief on the horizon, and the first student loan bills in three and a half years are coming due. After the panel, borrowers lined up in the back of the room for more immediate help from a team of student loan advisors. I'm Lisa. Lisa, nice to meet you. I had loans that I took out in undergrad, and then I had grad plus loans. I graduated school in 2015, and it's like I've had at least three servicers. The first time that I actually looked at how much debt I had, like, oh my gosh, this is like an alarming number. Count your payments, right? If you think, hey, if I'm at 120, you're telling me I'm at 80, we got a problem, right? It's really tough because we know how hard it is to get in touch with servicers. There is a new income-driven repayment plan called SAVE. That remaining interest does not continue to accrue. Thank you so much. That was very, very helpful. Borrower Lisa Smith said she and her mother both took out loans so she could go to college. Debts she's now determined not to pass on to her own young daughter. Corey Turner. NPR News. For the perfect spot to host your next event, discover City Space, WBUR's hidden gem on Commonwealth Avenue. Whether for a gala, board meeting, or wedding, City Space is the ideal setting for unforgettable occasions in a gorgeous state-of-the-art venue. We'll help make your vision a reality. More at WBUR.org rentals. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody. Jay Clayton is in the studio with me. And together, we are reminding you that your support is the foundation of our independent journalism. It is the largest share of our funding. So right now, during this fall fundraiser, we are looking for 2,500 new monthly contributors, and we want you to be one of them. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. You can also go to WBUR.org. 
WBUR exists without a paywall. It's radio. There is no way to have a paywall, even if we wanted one. But it's an important distinction, particularly relevant these days, because most of the high-quality, credible news sources do have paywalls, and, and they have to because that's how they fund their journalism. At WBUR, it is largely listener contributions voluntary support that funds this journalism that you're listening to. So that's why we're asking you, Sharon and I, we're asking you to become a monthly contributor. That automatic support each month, $10, $12, $20, $30, whatever you can do, will give WBUR a stronger and more secure future because there is no guarantee, just like anything else. But you can do something very simple and powerful that will preserve our future for this journalism that you count on, and that is start your monthly gift right now. WBUR.org is where you can do it online, WBUR.org, or call 1-800-909-9287. I mean, it really is true. We we just cannot do the essential work that you guys are counting on without your financial support. Uh, 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And, you know, we do a lot of work here. Obviously, uh, we are proud to bring you our radio programming. You can listen to that over the radio. You can uh, use the WBUR app. You can stream it on the website. You can read and view things on the website. You can subscribe to our newsletters. You can listen to our podcasts. You can go to events on stage at City Space. All of this is part of the service that WBUR brings you and, you know, covering all the different voices and bringing to you the different voices from around the community. This matters to us. We know it matters to you. And that's why your monthly contribution is so important to keep that thriving. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. I think we have an example of what listener support makes possible from our colleague Chloe Axelson. Let's listen to that. Hi, I'm Chloe Axelson, the senior editor of Cognoscenti, WBUR's ideas and opinion page. One of my very favorite COG essays is about the power of admitting our own ignorance. Leah Hager-Cohen wrote the piece. She's an author and a college writing instructor. Her essay for us became the basis of a whole book about the courage to say, I don't know. Here's a little bit of her essay. The condition of being human involves an awful lot of not knowing. The more we're able to acknowledge this, the more unabashedly we may inhabit our own skins. Leah writes that our culture often places value on judging and gatekeeping, but the freedom to say, I don't know, honors vulnerability. It chews away the tendency many of us have to pretend to know more than we do because we're fearful of being found out or excluded. It's the kind of self-protection that can make you feel more disconnected and lonely. We don't know everything at WBUR, we don't purport to, but in our work to seek truth, facts, and understanding, we value the chance to be a trusted member of your community. That is the storytelling that we're asking you to foster with your monthly contribution. 
right now at WBUR. When you give a little bit each month, you're giving to our entire community. So please give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. That really is the heart of WBUR. When you listen to All Things Considered, of course, you're going to get deep dives into the most important stories of the day. And you're also going to go beyond that with stories that are here really to foster deeper understanding, more connection, more community. We do all of this, but we cannot do it without sufficient listener support. And that's why the purpose of this fundraiser going on right now is to get 2,500 new monthly contributors. So if you're not that right now, but you can give a little bit automatically to WBUR every month, We would appreciate it. And if you are giving a little bit to WBUR every month, maybe add a dollar or two. That would make a huge difference to us here. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. You can make your contribution online, too, at WBUR.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Proven Winners with Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs offering a varied selection of species to bring year-round interest to landscapes and gardens. ProvenWinnersColorChoice.com slash Native Shrubs. From the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing a transformative approach to justice that is community-led, restorative, and racially just. Learn more at PublicWelfare.org. From Workday, committed to helping organizations adapt to change using real-time data to uncover insights, stay decision-ready, and prepare for whatever's next. The finance, HR, and planning system for a changing world. And from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation at rwjf.org. I'm here now, host Robin Young, and this is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, 89.1 WBUH-Booster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. House Republicans opened their case for pursuing an impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden with Oversight Committee Chair James Comer laying out the heart of the GOP's case. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand. But the top Democrat on the panel, Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin, wasted little time in pointing out their lack of hard evidence. We moved from a Trump-ordered government shutdown to a Trump-ordered impeachment process, and yet back in the reality-based world, the majority sits completely empty-handed with no evidence of any presidential wrongdoing, no smoking gun, no gun, no smoke. Today's hearing, which included testimony from outside legal experts, seeks to link the overseas business dealings of Biden's son, Hunter, to the president. The House has not formally voted to launch an impeachment inquiry. The head of Hawaii's power company says there's no evidence downed lines caused the fire on Maui last month that killed nearly 100 people. 
NPR's Greg Allen reports officials from Hawaii testified today before Congressional Committee. The CEO of Hawaiian Electric, Shelley Kimura, told House Energy and Commerce Committee members that the company was aware the National Weather Service had issued a warning that high winds could exacerbate the threat of wildfires on August 8th. She says the company activated a protocol that automatically shut down the power in areas where lines came down. Kimura told the committee a fire caused by down lines was brought under control early that morning. But several hours later, a second fire broke out in the same area. The cause of that afternoon fire that spread to Lahaina has not been determined. Hawaiian Electric is facing a host of lawsuits that say lax maintenance and control of vegetation by the company created conditions that led to the fire. Greg Allen, NPR News. A government privacy panel is recommending changes to a key surveillance law U.S. intelligence agencies say is critical to national security. Comes as Congress gears up for what's expected to be a bitter battle over renewing the law by year's end. Here's NPR's Ryan Lucas. The law in question is known as Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It allows the U.S. government to collect the communications of foreigners overseas, even when they're talking to Americans. The law is set to expire at the end of the year unless Congress reauthorizes it, but there are growing calls on both sides of the aisle in Congress to either impose changes or to let the law expire entirely. Now, a government panel called the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board is recommending 19 changes to Section 702 to improve privacy protections. But only three of the five members of the panel signed on to the report's conclusions. The remaining two members wrote a dissenting opinion, which shows just how thorny the debate over reauthorizing the law will be. Ryan Lucas, NPR News, Washington. A welcome up session on Wall Street today. The Dow closed up 116 points. The Nasdaq rose 108. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody in Boston. The state Senate may look to override some of Governor Maura Healey's budget vetoes as early as next week. Senate Ways and Means Chairman Michael Rodericks is not saying which items he's targeting. Healey signed the fiscal 2024 state budget in August, along with a number of line item vetoes. A Westfield woman has pleaded guilty to making a hoax bomb threat against Boston Children's Hospital. Federal prosecutors in Boston say Catherine Levy admitted making a threatening phone call in August of last year. Levy faces up to 10 years in prison. Sentencing is scheduled for March. The Boston Public Library has joined the Books Unbanned initiative. It allows anyone in the country between the ages of 13 and 16 to obtain a Boston Public Library e-card to check out e-books and digital audiobooks from the library's collection. The initiative was started as libraries across the country face increasing calls to pull certain books from their shelves. It's 5.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Carla Itzkovich, whose gift in memory of Moises Itzkovich, founder of the Moises Itzkovich Foundation, helps provide public radio news and information to communities around the world. Tonight in Baltimore, the Red Sox take on the Orioles to start the final series of the Sox season. It is 63 degrees in Boston, with lows dropping to the mid-50s overnight. For your Friday, a slight chance of rain and tomorrow's highs in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Cambridge Science Festival. The Great Science Carnival returns with hundreds of STEM-themed activities for the whole family this Saturday, Kendall Square, cambridgesciencefestival.org. 
I'm Tiziana Deering. At WBUR, our job goes beyond reporting the news. We also help make sense of an increasingly complex world. We foster understanding, build community, and when we can, we spark joy and laughter. But as we look forward, we know our future's not a given. Giving monthly, it is key to keeping WBUR strong. So help us get to our fall fundraising goal of 2,500 new monthly contributors. Start your monthly gift at WBUR.org. Or you can call 1-800-909-9287. Good afternoon. I'm Sharon Brody. Jay Clayton's in the studio with me. And together, we are reminding you that this is your moment to step forward and make that monthly contribution that makes a huge difference. At WBUR, you count on us. And we are calling on you to, to, to support the entire community with support, by supporting WBUR. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. You may not know this, but about half of the funding, the biggest share of it for WBUR, it's listener support. It's voluntary contributions. And when you make an automatic contribution, you know, that keeps going for as long as you, you let it, it will build a stronger, more secure future for this journalism that really so many people count on along with you. So support it for yourself. Support it for them if you can. If you can give a contribution right now, uh, $12 a month, we will thank you with Otto Lenghi's latest best-selling cookbook. It's called Extra Good Things. And We'll get you in for a chance to win a trip for two to London. It's valued at $7,000, includes round-trip airfare, wonderful accommodations, and four meals at Otto Lenghi's world-famous restaurants. People travel from all parts of the world to get to these restaurants because they're only in London. You'll get to experience his recipes prepared by his trained chefs. So this is really a treat that you will not want to miss out on. Let the inner foodie, the inner traveler in yourself make a monthly contribution for the inner curiosity in yourself that cares about the journalism on WBUR. This is what we're asking you to support. Just go to WBUR.org. Or call 1-800-909-9287. You know, WBUR brings you the kinds of stories that you count on day in and day out. And it's not just the voices you hear on the radio. Behind the scenes, we have so many editors and producers who are and engineers and and all sorts of other folks who are working so hard on quality control, on making sure that we are getting you accurate, key information, and telling you the stories that enrich your life. Uh, If that means something to you, and we suspect that it does, uh, please go ahead and make your monthly contribution. 1-800-909-9287. $10 a month would me make a world of difference here at WBUR. Uh, you can also uh, make your contribution by going to WBUR.org. And, you know, when you listen to WBUR, we are always putting things together that we hope will allow you to learn something, that will allow you to maybe foster more understanding of something, will give you memorable experiences, experience that was, will, you know, honestly make you say, you know what, I want to be more of a part of this. I want to I want to not only listen, I want to help make it happen. And that's what our members do by contributing to WBUR. A monthly contribution of, say, $12 or $20 or $30 or whatever 
whatever you're comfortable doing will go a long way, not just right now, but down the line to give us the funding that will get us through the tough times. Monthly contributions do that. Monthly contributions allow our newsroom to plan for the kind of coverage that this city needs and deserves. You make that happen, but we're counting on you to do it right now. Make your monthly contribution at WBUR.org or 1-800-909-9287. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Harvard Institute for Learning in Retirement. Join a vibrant academic community, enjoy in-person peer-led courses on their Cambridge campus, speaker events, special interest groups, and more. Apply by October 25th to start in February. To learn more, visit their website, the Harvard Institute for Learning in Retirement. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Elsa Chang in Culver City, California. And I'm Ari Shapiro in Washington. Today, House Republicans held their first hearing in the impeachment inquiry of President Biden. Kentucky Republican James Comer is leading the inquiry. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. At issue is Biden's relationship with his son, Hunter, a former lobbyist who made millions working in the influence industry, often for foreign clients. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. But Republicans have yet to present direct evidence of wrongdoing. The top Democrat on the panel, Jamie Raskin of Maryland, said Republicans are using the hearing to deflect from the four indictments against former President Trump, who's currently the frontrunner for the GOP nomination. So we move from a Trump-ordered government shutdown to a Trump-ordered impeachment process, and yet back in the reality-based world, the majority sits completely empty-handed with no evidence of any presidential wrongdoing, no smoking gun, no gun, no smoke. Lawmakers heard from four expert witnesses. None had any knowledge of wrongdoing by the president. And the two legal scholars of impeachment said under oath that the case for impeaching Biden isn't there yet. Here's George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley, a witness for Republicans. I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment. But I also do believe that the House has passed the threshold for an impeachment inquiry into the conduct of President Biden. Representative Comer has said the investigation will continue even if the government shuts down in two days. NPR political correspondent Susan Davis is tracking this. And Sue, was there any new evidence or information offered in today's hearing about President Biden? Not about the president, but Ari, it was a bad day for Hunter Biden. Republicans have been investigating the president's son for the better part of the past eight months. And those investigations have revealed a number of documents and whistleblower allegations that paints a really sordid picture of the influence industry and specifically how Hunter Biden leveraged his family name to make millions of dollars as a lobbyist and a consultant. There were also allegations of interference by career officials looking into him at the IRS and the Justice Department. But there has been no direct line drawn by any of the evidence to date that directly links it to the president. There were four witnesses today. None were fact witnesses. None had any direct knowledge of any wrongdoing by the president. There were two law professors and impeachment experts. You mentioned Jonathan Turley and also uh, Michael Gephardt. And they said the public record to date does not meet the constitutional standard for impeachment, of course, being treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. That said, Turley did testify that the Republicans have revealed enough evidence that would at least justify looking 
in to the president. A key point in this inquiry into President Biden is that it focuses on alleged actions taken before he took office yeah. in 2021. Do any of the allegations involve actions taken as president? Not Currently, everything to date has focused on this time period from when he was the vice president in the Obama administration and during that period of time, that four-year gap when he was not in public office at all. Republicans allege that as vice president, he took actions that benefited his son's foreign clients at the time, clients like uh, business companies in Ukraine or in China. But there's no evidence offered that Biden ever said or did anything in that time period that undermined the stated foreign policy goals of the United States government. Republicans also allege that Biden lied when he was asked as president if he ever discussed past business dealings with his son. He has consistently denied this and as president. But they do point to testimony that they've been taken under oath by a former business partner of Hunter Biden's who said the president did at times in the past appear at a couple of social dinners and that Hunter would at time call his dads when he was in the presence of clients. The time period is really relevant here because people like Turley argued in his testimony that Congress has to be really cautious about what he called retroactive impeachment and that unless they can draw a line into the current office, say if Biden was covering up past wrongdoing, that it probably would not meet, in his view, the constitutional standard for impeachment. And what's the response from the White House been? They've been pretty consistent. They dismiss it as sort of a baseless stunt. They're focused on the fact that the government could shut down in the next couple of days. But the Republican investigation over these months has succeeded in shaping public opinion. Recent polls suggest that a majority of Americans do believe that Hunter Biden personally profited from his father's position. But there does seem to be more public skepticism that Joe Biden has done anything wrong. A polling suggests a big chunk of the electorate just isn't paying that close of attention to this. But that would also tell you that there's still a lot of room to shape public opinion as this inquiry goes forward. And so where do Republicans plan to go from here? The big looming question in this investigation is, are they going to subpoena Hunter Biden or any members of the Biden family? Republicans today indicated their next step is probably going to be to get more of Hunter Biden's bank records. Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier this month said that Republicans do plan to to subpoena Hunter Biden, but that they would do so at, quote, the appropriate time. It's unclear when that time would be. What is pretty clear is that this inquiry is likely going to continue into next year and will overlap with the presidential election. It is unclear if it will ultimately result in articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. NPR political correspondent Susan Davis, thanks a lot. You're so welcome. For many Black soldiers returning from World War I, health care was hard to come by in the U.S. That changed in 1923, when the VA established a hospital in Tuskegee, Alabama, to treat Black veterans from around the country. The facility is still in operation today, and it's celebrating its centennial this year. NPR's Debbie Elliott paid a visit to learn more. The sprawling, leafy Tuskegee VA spans more than 400 acres. It operates like a mini city. There are outpatient medical clinics, a nursing home, a psychiatric hospital, and a mental health residential treatment program. It also has its own fire station, baseball stadium, and chapel. In the early 1920s, the nearby Tuskegee Institute, a historically black university, gave the federal government land to build what was first dedicated a century ago as the Tuskegee Old Soldiers Home. I kind of think of this as um, where, where health equity for veterans began. That's Amir Faruqi, director of the Central Alabama Veterans Healthcare System, riding around its Tuskegee campus on a golf cart. Faruqi says work is underway to designate the Tuskegee VA a National Historic Landmark. 
you know, really is a piece of history because there was no other VA built like this. It was built specifically for veterans of color, black American veterans and others who were not receiving the same quality of care or access to care following World War One that they really should have been and that they deserved. And especially this was challenging in, you know, the South due to Jim Crow laws and segregation. The federal government pledged to build the Tuskegee VA after protests by black World War One veterans. There was also pressure from a larger national campaign supported by the black medical community, the NAACP, and black newspapers, says George Washington University professor Vanessa Northington Gamble, a scholar of African-American medical history. Black soldiers were demanding care. The black medical profession was pushing for this because they needed some professional affirmation. That, that they could run a hospital and also that they could provide care. It opened in 1923 with 600 beds and 250 patients. But there was controversy from the start. On July 3rd, 1923, the Klan marched on Tuskegee because of this hospital. They did not want a Black-controlled hospital in the middle of Alabama. Gamble says it was all about who was going to be in charge of the federal funding that came with the establishment of a Veterans Affairs facility. Initially, local officials prevailed, and there was an all-white administration. But national pressure remained, and the federal government agreed to gradually hire black doctors and nurses. A year later, the Tuskegee VA was the first to be run by an all-black medical team. This is a time where Black people fought for their health care. And they stood up to the Klan. They stood up to the federal government. Gamble says that's an important takeaway, because when many Americans hear Tuskegee, they think about a different health care story. When the federal government experimented on Black men in Tuskegee, leaving them untreated for syphilis. She says the VA story is not one of oppression, but one where African Americans prevailed in fighting medical racism. It came at a high cost to those early leaders who faced death threats, but Gamble says eventually the Tuskegee VA became a hub for black specialists to develop their careers. It's long since integrated and now serves all manner of veterans. The campus has also provided economic opportunity for African Americans in the rural South. My name is Philip Lyman and I'm a native Tuskegeean. Lyman has been a pharmacist here for 37 years. My father worked here for 42 years as the chief pharmacist. And my mom used to work at the canteen for 20-something years. He says for as long as he can remember, the VA was central to the Tuskegee community. It's where he came to play Little League baseball and do Boy Scout activities. Lyman takes pride in the history. There was no other place. This was the place. This was Mother Tuskegee. <laughs> it's, it's something, I mean, and you, and you get to thinking about it and you're just like, how did, you know, it survive? And yeah, I mean, for a hundred years, it's been here. VA officials say the tenacity and legacy of the Tuskegee VA can serve as a lesson for eliminating health inequities today. Debbie Elliott, NPR News, Tuskegee, Alabama.
You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday afternoon here on 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody. On Wall Street, stocks closed higher today. The Dow closed up 116 points. The S&P closed up 25 points. The Nasdaq was up 108 points. It is 62 degrees in Boston with lows dipping to the mid-50s overnight. Tomorrow, for your Friday, a chance of some rain and highs in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Boston Graduate School of Psychoanalysis. Become a certified psychoanalyst and earn your doctorate in psychoanalysis. Better understand how you can help your patients develop emotionally fulfilling lives. All prior master's degrees qualify for psychoanalytic training. Now accepting applications for spring. bgsp.edu. I'm going to give you a phone number, and you're going to pay attention so that you can use it in just a second. 1-800- Wait, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1-800-909-9287. Now I'm going to give you a website that you can go to, wbur.org. Okay, the reason it's important for you to do uh, either make a phone call right now or to go to that website right now is those are the ways that you can make a monthly contribution to WBUR. And the reason that it's important to do that right now is because we have a triple match in effect. Yes, we do. It is a triple match for just the next six minutes between now and 5.30. Call it six minutes and change. Between now and 5.30, your contribution each month to WBUR, if you start a monthly contribution right now, it's going to be tripled, not just this month, but every month for the next year. So that is big giving that results from your starting your monthly contribution. And we're counting on you to do that because all told, we're looking for 2,500 listeners to start monthly contributions in this fundraiser because that lift will give WBUR a more secure and stronger future. So give $12 a month right now, it becomes $36 a month for WBUR. Give $20 a month right now, it becomes $60 a month for WBUR. If you can give $100, if your pockets have that, you can turn that into $300 a month for WBUR. This triple match only for the next six minutes now. So take a moment and make the most of what you can do with a monthly gift at wbur.org or 1-800-909-9287. And you know, Jay Clayton just referred to that stronger and more secure future for WBUR that you can help ensure when you make that monthly contribution. What that future means is a continuation of and a continuing improvement of the, the platform that we have, the coverage that we offer. We are deeply committed at WBUR to being a place for everyone in our community. And when you join in with the thousands of listeners who are supporting WBUR, then you make all of our voices stronger. This is the time when this triple match is in effect to triple the power of your generous contribution, your tax-deductible monthly contribution, I might add. Uh, Take advantage of that triple match to triple the power. Give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. You've only got about three or four minutes left to do that, to take advantage of the triple match. Do that at WBUR.org. WBUR.org. That's WBUR.org or 1 800 909 
9287 to get in on a triple match for just the next five minutes. And what you'll really be doing is you'll be helping us to fight disinformation and misinformation with facts and truth. That is a big part of our role and an especially important part of our role, given how powerful the voice is for disinformation and misinformation in social media. We need the voice of truth and facts to be strong, and that strength comes from listener support. That's why we're asking you to start a monthly gift, to do something automatically that will just keep fueling WBUR so we can keep sustaining you and sustaining our community with truth, with facts, with information that fosters understanding. That is what we're all about. That's what we're asking you to support. And you've got now just about four and a half minutes left to get in on a triple match with your monthly gift. It will triple match whatever monthly gift you make right now at 1-800-909-9287. 1-800-909-9287. And you can also get in on the triple match, but again, just for four more minutes at WBUR.org. And, you know, it's a busy time of day. You may be heading home from work. You might be heading to work. Uh, could be picking up kids. You could be preparing supper. Any number of things you're doing. But one thing that you can pause and think about, WBUR is your companion during those activities. It is keeping you company. It is keeping you informed. Uh, we are keeping you informed. We know that you appreciate that. Uh, and now we're asking you to please step forward, become one of 2,500 new monthly contributors we're counting on for this fall fundraiser. But again, as we have mentioned, you don't have to worry about the you know, 2,499 other contributors that we're counting on. Just know that we're counting on you. And you can make your contribution be that much more powerful by taking part in this triple match, which is only in effect for about two more minutes. Call 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. I love this image that uh, our Morning Edition host, Rupa Shinoy, uh, put on the table yesterday. Imagine the money in your wallet suddenly triples. And imagine that that happens every month for the next year. That's the effect that you can have, that positive, big effect that you can have on WBUR by getting in on this triple match of your monthly gift. $12 a month, you give that each month, it becomes 36 If you give 24 it becomes 72 If you give 50 it becomes 150 This is powerful support to keep this journalism strong. And you've got only about a minute and a half left now to get in on this triple match of your monthly gift, not just this month, but every single month for the next year. Get in on that while you can. you got about a minute left. 1-800-909-9287 is the number. I'll give it to you again. Phone number 1-800-909-9287 and the website, wbur.org. And when you make that monthly contribution, our promise to you is that we will translate that uh, generous contribution from you into the journalism that you count on, that you count on day in and day out from WBUR. We are committed to making it strong and better with your support. 1-800-909-9287. Or take advantage of the triple match, whether you call that number, 1-800-909-9287, or go to WBUR.org, and thank you. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from Data IQ, a platform for everyday AI, dedicated to helping teams move beyond the lab to build generative AI applications at enterprise scale. 
D-A-T-A-I-K-U.com. And from Procter & Gamble, maker of Metamucil, a fiber supplement containing psyllium, a plant-based fiber for trapping and removing waste in the digestive system, designed to be taken every day. More at metamucil.com. This is NPR. Live from NPR News in Culver City, California, I'm Dwayne Brown. The federal government is three days away from a partial shutdown if congressional lawmakers fail to pass a short-term spending bill. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has been deadlocked with a far-right faction of his caucus over key provisions of an agreement he made earlier with President Biden, then backed out of it. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries says these Republicans clearly want to shut down the government. Put the bill on the floor for an up or down vote so we can end this MAGA Republican nightmare. And if you don't, you own this government shutdown. The conservative hardliners are demanding deeper cuts in government spending. If federal agencies shut down, though, on Sunday, millions of government employees and members of the military will be furloughed. Meanwhile, youth activists gathered at the Capitol today to protest the looming government shutdown, calling on Republicans to address climate change policy as well. NPR's Elena Moore reports the demonstration comes as young voters are expected to play a crucial role in next year's election. Around 150 protesters with the climate advocacy group the Sunrise Movement stood outside House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office and demanded action. The group is calling for McCarthy to avoid a government shutdown and instead address climate policy. 17-year-old organizer Ada Crandall was at the demonstration. She says young people around the country want change from politicians. Together, the thousands of us are so much stronger than the GOP because all the GOP can do is run away from the problems. Organizers say most of these protesters are in their late teens. And as the 2024 election inches closer, the group says they will keep planning similar days of action. Elena Moore, NPR News, The Capitol. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody in Boston. Massachusetts Congressman Jim McGovern says cuts to food aid should be off the negotiating table. His comments come as a federal budget deal remains elusive and a government shutdown looms. WBUR's Rob Lane has more. If a deal isn't reached by Saturday, funding would cut off for the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, or WIC. The program provides healthy foods to low-income women and children. But some House Republicans want any deal to avert a shutdown to include major cuts to WIC and other assistance programs. McGovern told WBUR's Radio Boston either outcome is bad for low-income families. What's the difference? I mean, if you're going to gut WIC, if you're going to gut nutrition programs, you can stop government in a shutdown or you can stop it by extreme cuts. Hard-right members of Congress are pressuring House Speaker Kevin McCarthy not to bring a budget plan to the floor unless Republicans secure those big cuts. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Rob Lane. The Red Sox are criticizing leaked news that former Red Sox pitcher Tim Wakefield and his wife Stacy are both battling cancer. Wakefield's former Sox teammate, Kurt Schilling, revealed the news on his podcast yesterday. Schilling announced that Tim Wakefield's battling an aggressive form of brain cancer and Stacy has a different form of cancer. The Red Sox released a statement today saying the personal information was shared without the Wakefield's permission. 
A Chelsea woman was sentenced today to 18 months of supervised release for an airline ticketing scheme. Tiffany Jenkins is a former airline gate agent. Federal prosecutors in Boston say she converted hundreds of low-cost flights for family and friends to more expensive flights elsewhere. She pleaded guilty to three counts of wire fraud. Tonight, the Red Sox begin the final series of this season. The Sox face the Orioles in Baltimore. It is 62 degrees in Boston with lows in the mid-50s overnight. Tomorrow, a chance of some rain and Friday's highs in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. Support for NPR comes from the station and from Bank of America, offering access to resources and digital tools designed to help local to global companies make moves for their businesses. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Align Probiotic, a daily supplement designed by gastroenterologists to help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. More at alignprobiotics.com. And from listeners like you, who donate to this NPR station. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Ari Shapiro in Washington. And I'm Elsa Chang in Culver City, California. This afternoon, House Republicans held a hearing about impeaching President Biden as the clock ticked down towards a likely government shutdown. Meanwhile, the president was in Phoenix giving a speech about democracy. Democracies don't have to die at the end of a rifle. They can die when people are silent, when they fail to stand up or condemn the threats to democracy. It was the latest in a series of remarks that the president has delivered about the threats to democracy and the need to be vigilant in safeguarding it. We're joined now by NPR White House correspondent Asma Khalid. Hey, Asma. Hi there, Elsa. So let's talk about the timing of this speech. I mean, with everything going on in Washington, Washington, why talk about democracy now? Well, Elsa, it seemed to me that Biden was trying to create a clear contrast with House Republicans who, as you mentioned, cannot agree on how to fund the government. And then some of them spent today, in fact, trying to impeach the president. Uh, He also seemed to be trying to create a contrast with some of the Republicans who are trying to unseat him for the job. Uh, They met last night in California for a Republican presidential debate. Uh, The frontrunner Donald Trump, of course, was not there. But for all the other Republican hopefuls, they've really been struggling with how to vocally take on Donald Trump. And Biden's message today was that silence itself can be complicity. He called out Trump by name and the so-called MAGA movement, which he said was a threat to the brick and mortar of the country, to, in fact, the country's very character. MAGA extremists across the country have made it clear where they stand. So the challenge for the rest of America, for the majority of Americans, is to make clear where we stand. Do we still believe in the Constitution? You know, in a lot of ways, this speech sounded like a call to action for Americans. A call call to action. But Asma, isn't this like the fourth democracy Mm -hmm. speech that President Biden has delivered? Like, why does he keep returning to this issue? I'd say there's two major reasons. One is that fundamentally, Biden says he ran for president in 2020 to restore the soul of the nation. Uh, The second reason is that Biden is now running for re-election and his campaign (laughs) intends to use this message of saving democracy as a major theme 
team in Biden's reelection bid. He called out, you know, Trump by name today. He singled his former uh, former the, the predecessor, I should say, to, to him in the White House by name. He singled out his attempt to consolidate power and basically warned that Trump would be a threat to the nation's character. And, and this threat to democracy message was successful for Democrats in the most recent midterms. There is a sense that it will be even more successful potentially with Trump on the other side as they head into to 2024. And else, I also want to contextualize this. This all comes as the president has been struggling with low approval ratings. Voters have concerns about his age. That seems to be dragging Biden's popularity down. His message on the economy does not seem to resonate with voters. But this message, this message about saving democracy, it does seem to resonate. What about the location, Arizona? Uh, Obviously, it's a swing state. For years, one of its senators was the late John McCain. Why do you think Biden chose Arizona as the location for this speech today? Well, Biden, I will say, won the state of Arizona. Of course, it is a critical, important battleground state. Biden won it in 2020, but just by about 10,000 votes. Obviously important as you head into an election year. Uh, But I think this was also personal for, for the president. He was there reminding Americans that there was a time when Republicans and Democrats like he and John McCain could could go about and disagree on issues, but still prioritize the Constitution. And you heard Biden today chide Republicans for not being willing to stand up to Trump the way that John McCain did. He praised his former friend as a man who put his country first, and he called on other Americans to do the same. That is NPR's Asma Khalid. Thank you, Asma. My pleasure. Auto workers, hotel workers, Hollywood actors and writers have all gone on strike this year. Now, tens of thousands of healthcare workers at one of the country's biggest healthcare providers, Kaiser Permanente, are poised to go on strike too. They say they are understaffed and suffering because of it. NPR's Danielle Kay reports. Pamela Reed is an optometrist at Kaiser's Marlow Heights Medical Center in Maryland. I've been working with Kaiser for 25 years. She says care for Kaiser's nearly 13 million patients has been deteriorating since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic because there's just not enough staff. Pre-pandemic, it was more like you can get an appointment within five to 10 business days. Post-pandemic, it's more like one to two months. Workers like Reed are getting ready to go on strike for three days next week, starting Wednesday. She hopes the strike would help bring staffing levels back up and ultimately improve care for Kaiser's patients. They are really already being affected. So our goal with the strike is to hopefully change that. 75,000 workers at hundreds of Kaiser hospitals, clinics, and medical offices from California and Colorado to Washington, D.C., could walk off the job. It would be what their unions describe as the biggest healthcare strike in U.S. history. They're demanding higher pay and better benefits to help fix a severe staffing crisis. About 11 percent of union positions were vacant in April of this year. That's according to data obtained by the 12 unions that are in talks with Kaiser. We went from really having a problem on the horizon to having a crisis here and now. Caroline Lucas is executive director of the Coalition of Kaiser Permanente Unions. She says understaffing has been a concern for years, but an exodus of healthcare workers during COVID, coupled with a surge in demand as patients come back for routine care they delayed because of the pandemic, has made the issue much more urgent. Take, for example, the mammography department in San Diego, where workers say the number of biopsies they do has skyrocketed. How do you double your workload and still remain that 
you know, dialed in level of detail um, and attention to detail that's required for difficult medical diagnoses and testing. Kaiser says it's close to reaching its goal of hiring 10,000 more people to fill union positions this year. But Lucas says the organization isn't taking into account the thousands of workers who keep leaving. She says Kaiser needs to raise wages to give people a reason to stay. They work 40, 50, 60 hours a week at a job that we all know as a society that we need to have filled. And they can't pay their bills at the end of the week. Kaiser says it offers better pay and benefits than other healthcare employers. They're asking employees to reject calls to walk off the job to avoid hurting patients. But workers say patient care is already suffering because of understaffed facilities, and they've voted overwhelmingly to authorize a strike. Many of them, lab technicians, nurses, pharmacists, and others, have seen firsthand how an exodus of healthcare workers has exacerbated pandemic burnout. That's what Brooke Elamine has experienced. For 21 years, she's held lots of positions at Kaiser in the Washington, D.C. area, from technician to pharmacist. You know, I really moved up um, through the ranks, and Kaiser really grew with me for all of those years. 39-year-old Elamine says she can't imagine her life without Kaiser. But when COVID hit, the understaffing became stressful. And now she says it's even taken a toll on her mental health. I don't want to strike, but I feel like Kaiser you know, is already letting down our patients. They're already letting down the employees. The bargaining committees are set to meet in person tomorrow, the last set of formal talks to avoid a nationwide walkout next week. Danielle Kay, NPR News. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Elliott Community Human Services, with two community behavioral health centers open 24-7 in Danvers and Lynn, elliottchs.org. And Direct Hire and Auto Service, proud to support WBUR and public radio to help keep quality programming alive. DirectHire.com. I'm Anthony Brooks. There is an inseparable link between the journalism that you rely on from WBUR and the listener support that makes it possible. Listener support continues to carry WBUR like never before. That's why your monthly gift is so important right now. To give, go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And thanks. It is true that listener support is the largest share of our funding here at WBUR. If you have already made a generous monthly contribution, thank you so much. We appreciate it. If you haven't yet, here's a great moment to do it. It'll take you just a couple of minutes, and you will know that you are supporting the journalism that you count on here at WBUR. Here's how to do it. You call 1-800-909-9287, or 
you make your contribution at WBUR.org. Good evening. I'm Sharon Brody. Jay Clayton is with me in the studio. And he, too, is going to remind you that now is the time for your generous monthly contribution. It, it is because we have these fundraisers just to remind you that it is, in fact, listener support that is the foundation of WBUR's service. And we're looking for, as Sharon says, 2,500 monthly contributors If you're not a monthly contributor, we hope you'll start a monthly contribution right now, maybe $12, maybe $15 or $20 for for WBUR. Giving automatically each month is really the key to sustaining a strong and secure future for this journalism when we all really need it. So please consider doing that right now at WBUR.org or 1-800-909-9287. And let's get to the heart of WBUR's reporting with Robin Young from here and now. Well, I think we've seen in the past few years why public radio matters so much. I mean, call us kind of nerdy, but we have a dedication to fact-checking, to the truth, to hearing all voices, to making sure that we amplify voices that aren't getting heard with a lot of the bombast that's coming at us. There are things that you hear on public radio with the way the broadcast landscape has changed that you just don't hear in many other places. So I I think people have come to really feel the value of public radio. We hope you do. We hope you will support this value that you get from WBUR because, quite honestly, we need more members and more member dollars to keep fueling this journalism. The cost of running a newsroom, the size and scope of WBUR's is enormous, quite honestly. And add to that the cost of expanding our services into all the digital places where you count on WBUR. It's a formidable task, and that's why we're asking for your monthly contribution to be able to keep pace with everything you need and count on getting from WBUR. Give $12, $15, $20 a month. Whatever works for you and for your your budget is great with us. We just need your participation to be able to keep funding this journalism that you count on. Go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And Sharon, we've got some gifts. We've got the Otto Lenghi cookbook, the newest one, the bestseller, that we can send you as our thanks for your $12 a month contribution to WBUR. And with that or anything that you give tonight, you will get a chance to go to London to experience Otto Lenghi firsthand. Four restaurants you'll be able to get to dine at on this trip. It's a trip for two. It's valued at about $7,000. It includes everything you can imagine, your airfare and hotel, all the goodies, and the restaurants you got to get in on that now because it ends soon. So call 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. Well, that would be an incredible experience. But, Uh you know, honestly, listening to WBUR is not a half-bad experience in and of itself. You get all sorts of coverage of the important stories of the day. You get depth. You get nuance. You get context. Also, all forms of storytelling, and you get some straight-out pure entertainment. WBUR is here for you day in and day out, year-round. And so every so often, we have to come to you because WBUR listeners 
provide the largest share of our funding. So that's why we're coming to you now and asking for your monthly contribution at whatever amount feels right for you, 1-800-909-9287, or go to WBUR.org to make your gift. And, you know, even if you already are making a monthly contribution to WBUR, this would be a great time for you to just maybe add another dollar or two to that contribution. Every bit helps to support and sustain WBUR. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And you know, if if the inner foodie in you, the inner traveler in you, in you is thinking London would be amazing, Otto Lenghi would be amazing. <laughs> well, just make your contribution right now. We'll send you the cookbook, the latest one from him as our thanks for your contribution of $12 a month to support WBUR. And we'll get you in on a chance to win that trip for two to London for Otto Lenghi restaurants. They are only in London. It's why people travel from all parts of the world to get to them. You could go on us if you're the winner, but you got to get in because this is ending soon. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call and the website where you can also make your contribution and get in on the goodies. That's WBUR.org. And, you know, WBUR is free for you to learn from, to enjoy, to tune into, to read the website, to listen to the podcasts, to subscribe to the newsletters. Um, all of the this coverage is free, and that is important to us. But if you can make a monthly contribution, that is how you sustain this journalism. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. And thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Brigham and Women's Hospital. For expert research-based obstetric and gynecologic care, turn to Brigham and Women's, specialists in women's health with the latest innovative treatments for complex conditions. U.S. News ranks Brigham and Women's number one for obstetric and gynecologic care in the country. BrighamandWomens.org. This is WBUR's All Things Considered. I'm Sharon Brody, in for Lisa Mullins. You might be familiar with the Tiny Desk Contest. Thousands of independent musicians from all over the country compete for a coveted slot in NPR's popular concert series. Winners perform in a cozy nook, crammed with books and knickknacks, at NPR's headquarters in Washington, D.C. The videos of the concerts tend to get a lot of play. This year, the winner was a Utah band called Little Moon. But more than 200 artists from Massachusetts entered the contest, and we think they should get some shine, too. WBUR's panel of local judges chose a favorite from among all the Massachusetts entries. The song is You'd Like Me More by Axel and Lolo. In the latest installment of our series on rising local musicians, Sound On, WBUR senior arts and culture reporter Amelia Mason has more on why this song and ultimately this band stood out from the rest. One, two, three, four. All right, let me set the scene here. In the entry video, this four-piece band is crammed into kind of a drab practice room, but it's been decorated with, like, a stuffed bear and these bright green plastic frogs. So it's a little cutesy and kind of psychedelic. I went to church today, lay down in the pew. 
When the vocalists start singing, you're just walloped by this opening verse. It's just such a strong way to start a song. I went to church today, lay down in the pews. I don't trust the Bible, I'm just trying to relate to you. It's sort of this peaceful image, but it takes a total left turn. Like, oh, actually this person hates church. They're just trying to connect with someone. And you're just hooked, like, what story is this song going to tell? We also loved the incredible unison singing, which is a hallmark of the duo's sound. Axel and Lolo is the musical project of Axel Rodriguez and Lauren Weiss. They're students at Berklee College of Music. Rodriguez says they clicked immediately. That was like, oh my God, this is so fun. We're having so much fun. It felt very right and, and magical almost once we started and it's still singing. Feeling right. and when we talked about like their like song, You'd Like Me More, Rodriguez and Weiss told me it's about feeling alienated from friends back home after they left for college. The song's about watching an old friend engage in self-destructive behavior and feeling worried but also resentful that the friend is changing. Here's Vice. It's like feeling that distance kind of growing between you and a friend, seeing them surround themselves with people who, you know, maybe you thought they never would be around and, and, and wondering if, like, maybe is that the reason for why we're not talking as much? That's the studio version of the song. Vice points out that the lyrics can be read a lot of ways. That line in the chorus, you'd like me more if I didn't care about you, I think is easy to interpret as being about that feeling, especially when you're young, that liking someone too much is kind of turning them off. But I think it's really meaningful that this song is actually about friendship. Rodriguez and Vice are best friends, and the way they talk about their own friendship, it's a little like a marriage. I feel like friendship is not more important, but it should be, like, either equal or more important than, like, romantic relationships. I also think it's such an interesting thing to write about because there are so many similarities to, like, romantic love. Also, I think it's far more complex in its own way, and it isn't talked about quite as much. Axel and Lolo have recorded a couple singles, and they're working on an album. Friendship is a major theme in their music, and I'm excited to see how these two young artists, who are also besties, continue to explore this really rich topic. You can find Amelia's full write-up on Axel and Lolo and pictures at WBUR.org. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by William James College. Open house October 4th. School psychology, counseling, ABA, organizational psychology, and more. WilliamJames.edu.
This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody. Jay Clayton's with me here in the studio. If you appreciated Amelia Mason's brilliant coverage of Axel and Lolo that you just heard uh, as part of our outstanding arts coverage here at WBUR, this would be the perfect time for you to show that appreciation by making a generous monthly contribution. one 800 909 9287. That's the phone number. You can also uh, make your contribution at WBUR.org. Good example there of part of WBUR's role, which is really to introduce you to people and places, ideas, songs that you might not ever hear about otherwise. And we are able to do that thanks to Amelia and her skilled reporting and listener support. And that's why we're asking you to start a monthly contribution to WBUR because that idea of giving a little bit automatically every month for as long as you choose to and can, that's what's going to fuel WBUR and give us a stronger and more secure future. Nothing, including our future, is guaranteed. When the Public Broadcasting Act was signed in 1967 and essentially set the course for radio stations like WBUR across the United States, nothing was really said about any guarantee of long, long-term funding. The plan was that the communities that value and listen to these stations would fund them. That includes you, and that's why we're asking you to start your monthly gift right now, $12, $15, $20, whatever you can give to help us fuel this journalism. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call to get your gift to us, 1-800-909-9287, and of course online, WBUR.org. And we understand, you know, it's a busy time of day, but this uh, uh, little uh, transaction of making your monthly contribution to WBUR to support the journalism and all the coverage and all the storytelling uh, that you appreciate here at WBUR, that transaction is going to take you maybe two minutes tops. 1-800-909-9287 or make your monthly contribution at WBUR.org. And you know, you might get a call back saying, hi, we'd like to let you know that you want a trip for two to London. This is pretty amazing. We are giving a trip for two, five days and four nights, and those four days will include meals at Otto Lange's restaurants. They are exclusively in London. You'll be able to dine at four of them. Round trip airfare and accommodations included too. This ends soon, so get in on it when you make your contribution. We hope you'll make it monthly. WBUR.org or 1 800 909 9287. Thank you very much in advance. Support for NPR comes from the station and from Indeed, designed to be an end to end hiring solution for businesses of all sizes to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from a single platform. Learn more at indeed.com slash NPR. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Align Probiotic, a daily supplement designed by gastroenterologists to help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. More at alignprobiotics.com. From the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. I'm WBUR City Space Director Amy McDonald, and this is 90.9 WBUR FM Boston, 
92.7 WBUA-Tisbury and 89.1 WBUH-Booster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. President Biden is sounding the alarm on threats to institutions in the U.S. and to the Constitution. In a speech just outside Phoenix, Arizona today, Biden criticized Republican extremists and said they do not share basic beliefs of democracy. This was the fourth time in Biden's presidency that he's addressed the state of democracy. He said he's been able to work with Republican leaders his whole life, including Arizona Senator John McCain, whom he honored at the event. But Biden said today's GOP is, quote, driven and intimidated by MAGA extremists. Their extreme agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. Biden said protecting democracy was a key part of his reelection campaign. His remarks made for a split-screen moment. They come the same day that House Republicans are holding an impeachment hearing against the president and as Congress is barreling toward a government shutdown. Deepa Shivaram, NPR News, Tempe, Arizona. The federal appeals court is blocking the redrawing of Louisiana's congressional election map. As NPR's Hanzi Luang reports the ruling is part of a long-running redistricting fight over the collective power of black voters in the state. The ruling cancels a hearing for picking a new congressional map for Louisiana to replace the one a federal judge on a lower court found likely to violate the Voting Rights Act. That map was approved by Louisiana's Republican-controlled legislature and includes only one district out of six where black Louisianans have a realistic opportunity to elect their preferred candidate. To get in line with the Voting Rights Act, the judge ruled that there should be two such districts. But a panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals says it blocked the hearing for a new map to allow Republican state officials to appeal. That's unusual, as the judge's ruling is already under review by a separate Fifth Circuit panel. Hansi Luang. NPR News. An appeals court is rejecting an effort by former President Donald Trump to delay a civil trial in a lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Decision by the state's intermediate appellate court allows the case to move ahead days after a judge ruled Trump committed years of fraud by inflating the value of his properties and stripped him of some of his companies as punishment. The judge overseeing the Sam Bankman-Fried case says the disgraced crypto mogul will remain in jail ahead of and, and during his trial, slated to start next week. Sam Pierre's David Gurr reports Bankman-Fried's lawyers argue they need more time. Judge Lewis Kaplan rejected a last-ditch motion from Sam Bankman-Fried's legal team that would have allowed the founder of FTX to live in a temporary residence in New York City with security and under a strict gag order. Bankman-Fried's lawyers have complained they haven't been able to get adequate time with their client, who is incarcerated in a federal jail in Brooklyn. And they've said it's been difficult for Bankman-Fried to review millions of pages of documents. Last month, after prosecutors accused Bankman-Fried of violating his bail conditions, Kaplan sent him to jail. An appeals court recently upheld the judge's decision. David Gura. NPR News. Stocks gain ground on Wall Street. The Dow is up 116 points. You're listening to NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Sharon Brody in Boston. A tax relief package is headed to the desk of Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey. State senators approved the measure today after the House passed it yesterday. The package includes expanded tax credits and other reforms totaling $561 million this year. Former Methuen Police Chief Joseph Solomon and a former officer have been indicted on fraud charges. Solomon is accused of circumventing civil service laws to promote part-time officer Sean Fountain into a full-time role. Both men also are accused of lying about Fountain's credentials. 
Today, the Boston Athletic Association started notifying people who've been accepted into next year's Boston Marathon. The BAA says just over 22,000 qualified athletes have been invited to run the marathon on April 15, 2024. Thousands more will run for charitable organizations. Tonight in Baltimore, the Red Sox take on the Orioles to begin the final series of the Sox season. Chris Sale is on the mound for Boston. It is 62 degrees in Boston with lows overnight in the mid-50s. For your Friday, a slight chance of some rain. Tomorrow's highs in the mid-60s. This is WBUR. WBUR supporters include the George Lucas Educational Foundation, creator of Edutopia, For 30 years, committed to advancing educational innovations and research that improves pre-K to 12 learning. More at edutopia.org. This is 90.9 WBUR. This is our fall fundraiser, and you have a chance now to triple the power of your generous contribution to WBUR. A triple match is in effect just for the next little stretch of time here. So go ahead and take down this phone number and make a phone call. 1-800-909-9287. Or... You can skip the phone and just go to the web, WBUR.org, and that's how you make your monthly contribution to WBUR to support the programming you count on. And right now, a triple match is in effect. If you make a contribution of $12 a month, it becomes $36 a month. Thank you in advance for going ahead and making this contribution. You said that, uh, Sharon, that this is in effect for a little stretch of time. And that might be an understatement because it's in effect for about four and a half minutes. Okay, okay. It's a little stretch of time. It's all relative, right? (laughs) But go ahead and call WBUR at 1-800-909-9287 or go to the website WBUR.org to get in on this triple match because it will have... Probably the most powerful impact you can have giving to WBUR because other listeners are going to add 100% of your gift and then they're going to do that again to make it 200% of your gift. So $12 becomes $36 for WBUR each month for a year. $100 becomes $300 a month for WBUR for a year. That is powerful impact that you can have just by starting your monthly contribution right now and helping us to bring you the journalism today and build a sustainable future for WBUR. That's what we're trying to do here. And we can do it with your monthly contribution, especially during this triple match that's on the table for about three and a half more minutes. Go to WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And if it should just so happen that you are fortunate enough to be able to make an even larger contribution, boy, oh boy, would this be the time to do it because it will be tripled. If you could give, you know, $100 a month, that becomes $300 a month for WBUR and for the journalism and all the programming that uh, you count on day in and day out. So we we urge you to please do that now in the next, oh, just, you know, a few minutes, 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. The strength of WBUR's voice is really the strength of all of our voices, and that is made possible by listener support. It is the largest share of the funding here at WBUR, and that's why we're asking you to start a monthly contribution because we're really trying to build 
long-term long-term sustainability for this service and that will happen if you give a little bit each month automatically you've got about two more minutes now to get in on this triple match twelve dollars a month becomes 36 24 becomes 72 you get the idea it's really powerful when you give during one of these moments just a couple minutes left now to get in on this triple match while you're listening 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call the website where you can get in on the triple match is wbur.org and you know all the journalism that you hear on wbur and that you read on the website and get through the newsletters that you can subscribe to and listen to in the podcasts um all of that has layers and layers of people concentrating on making it the best it can possibly be. You know, people behind the scenes that you might not hear on the air, uh, you might not see bylines, but, you know, editors, producers, engineers, in addition to the reporters and the hosts. And that costs money. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, that costs money. And we know that you believe in uh, the product because you're listening. And uh, so that's why we turn to you just every now and then and say, hey, this is your time to step forward and make your monthly contribution. And for the just the next couple of minutes, your con- your monthly contribution is going to be tripled. So it's a great time to do it. Again, the phone number. 1-800-909-9287, or you can make that monthly contribution online at WBUR.org. Yeah, all those people behind the scenes that you don't hear on the radio, they, they make the difference in what you do hear on the radio because they're the ones checking the facts. They're the ones doing the research, getting the right guests so that you have an informed conversation to listen to. All of this takes enormous resources. This is why so many newsrooms are shrinking and going away around the country. It's economics, really. So when you make a monthly contribution, you're doing something really powerful for journalism, for truth, for facts. You've got just about another minute to do that and triple the impact of your gift thanks to this match that's on the table just for about one more minute at WBUR.org. That's WBUR.org. And the phone number where you can get in on the triple match is 1-800-909-9287. And, you know, you'll be joining all these thousands of listeners who support WBUR, and together you are part of making all of our voices stronger. We are committed to that, to being a platform for everyone in the community. Please do that now while the impact of your monthly contribution is tripled. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Leslie University. Put your creativity to work with a fine arts degree from Leslie University. Invest in your passion at leslie.edu. And the Museum of Science, featuring Arctic Adventure, an immersive Arctic world exploration with technology as your guide. Tickets at mos.org. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Ari Shapiro. And I'm Scott Detrow. The other day in Zelianople, Pennsylvania, I asked 88-year-old David Reckless what's changed for him since he was 80. Energy. Energy. <laughs> I used to be more or less the energy bunny, you know. I mean, I still work out, you know. You seem pretty energetic. Uh, yeah, I know, but uh, <laughs> it's not what you think. More naps in my day, you know, that kind of thing. It's a question that's pretty relevant to next year's presidential election. 
because President Joe Biden, who's 80 now, is running for a second term. He'd be 86 at the end of it. And Biden's most likely opponent, former President Donald Trump, is 77. To put it another way, if you judge it by the age at the start of their term, there's a good chance that next year voters will be choosing between the oldest and the second oldest presidents in U.S. history. My personal opinion is that neither one should be running. Things go downhill in a hurry sometimes. And uh, I think uh, both of them are probably in pretty good health right now, but two, three, four years down the road, I'd be concerned about that. For all the issues out there, including Trump's multiple felony indictments and upcoming trials, age, particularly Biden's age, has become a big factor in the race. Biden often jokes about it. I know I don't look that old, I know. (laughs) I'm a little under 103. But when he stumbles in a speech or in real life... We do begin tonight with the frightening image today, President Biden falling on stage at the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado It gets a lot of attention. And a slew of recent polls show voters have concerns. According to a new CBS poll, only 34% of voters think President Biden would actually make it through a second term if re-elected. We decided to talk about all of this with some experts, older voters, people around the age of Trump and Biden. And not just any group of seniors, Seniors who live in western Pennsylvania, a place that'll have an outsized role in deciding the next president. At our first stop, the Vintage Center for Active Adults in Pittsburgh, producer Connor Donovan and I ran into a problem. We wanted to interview people in a line dancing class. The organizers demanded a bit of a quid pro quo. Hey, you want something from us, we want something from you too. What's that? You want to do a dance with us. That's fair. Okay. We hit the dance floor. This is a little call-out dance that Stella going to call it out. Okay. Easy dance. Okay, here we go. All right, let's do it. And I'll admit, I struggled with some of the crossover steps especially. Way more than the regulars, like 70-year-old Nettie Henning. She's line dancing five times a week. That's just one item on her packed schedule. I sew. I play pinochle. I am learning bridge. Oh, yeah? I like things that challenge my my brain. Henning says in theory she would like to see someone younger step up. But she supports Biden and thinks the questions about his age are being blown out of proportion. Sometimes does he look tired? Yeah. Heck, when I travel abroad, when I was much younger, I would be tired. Yeah. So I think that his health is in good standing. Her fellow line dancer, Len Zappler, sees things differently. He's 85, about the age Biden would be at the end of a second term. My chief worry is I'm losing it. And he's on the verge of losing it, I think. So I wouldn't want this guy out there running the the show. So when you think about his age and his ability to do the job, you're thinking about I'm thinking about, yeah. At the same time, Zappler is also a good example of a dynamic Biden's advisors repeatedly point to when asked about these polls showing so many voter concerns about Biden's age. They say all of that changes when voters think about the race as a choice. Zappler is a Republican. He voted for Trump in 2016 and again in 2020. But he says after the past few years, he can't do it again. I'd be hard pressed to vote. But I think I'd vote for Biden if I had to. Yeah. But I, I, I hope he has a very stalwart and capable vice president. That's what I'm, I would pray for. To dig deeper into how older voters are thinking about all of this, we gathered a group from the greater Pittsburgh area. 
people from different political backgrounds who we sat down with at the Passivant community run by Lutheran Senior Life. And while more than one of our interviewees told us that age is just a number, we will start by having them list their ages. Susan Hughes. Uh, I'll be 77 in a couple weeks. John Fuller. I'm 81. Rosalie Bablack. I was 86 on Tuesday. And Preston Scheimer. And I'm 84. Oh, I am the youngest. (laughs) You are. (laughs) The panelists all agree on one thing, that young people have a lot of misconceptions about what it means to get older. Here's John. We live in a society where obsolescence is a reality. We discard things. We get rid of it. I, I think young people sometimes think that older people are the same way. And Rosalie. I think it's important that we let young people know it's not frightful. Mm-hmm. The passage of life is good, and it's good at being old. We enjoy ourselves, too. We have fun. But when it comes to the age of the likely presidential candidates in 2024, views begin to diverge. When you see coverage of President Biden, when you pay attention to the news, what, what has stood out to you? What stands out to me is that Joe Biden is coping with his aging process very well. He's kept his diet down. He's lean and, and slim. His mental acuity is sharp as anything. You couldn't accomplish what he's done. Trump is a little bit different in that he represents a heart attack waiting to happen because he's proud of the fact that he eats McDonald's on a regular basis and those kind of things. And his lifestyle is one that um, makes me wonder about his health. What about you, John? I would say looking at the two, the optics tell me Trump would be the better candidate from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a cognitive standpoint, probably they're about the same. Rosalie, what about you? Well, I honestly wish we had younger candidates because I do believe in the wisdom of age, but I know that I process slower, and I know that my friends do. And the world is very dangerous. We have enemies. We have someone who sits in the Oval Office who's going to touch the button if we're going to have nuclear war. As I look at President Biden, I have real concerns. Is there anything particular that stood in your mind that you saw that that made you say that? Yes. I think the way he walks stiffly. I understand that. We've had walking classes here. And sometimes when he seems not to be able to remember things, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're only assessing from the outside. Um, when I look at President Trump, I think, and I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this, I think he's a street fighter. I like you him. You can say it. I think we fared well under him. I don't like the personal attacks that we are seeing. I think we've come a long way from the civility that I'd like to see. Sue, what about you? I think Rosalie had a great answer, and I would add that I think it's time to pass the baton, because if you don't train the people behind you, there's going to be a vacuum. We've got lots of capable people in their 50s, and I feel sad that people feel the need to hold on to power. Now, you've all kind of hinted at this. There's the age issue in this election, but there's a lot of big political issues to talk about right now. So I'm wondering, of all the things you're thinking about when you're thinking about this election, where does the age of the candidates fit in? The wisdom that I got from my father-in-law, who's a um, professor of history at Cornell, 
was you evaluate the person based on the people that that man or woman also brings to the table. Who are they going to be their advisors? Because you're basically electing a team. I think it's clear that I think that Biden is, has a far better team. Of course, I would kind of disagree <laughs> because I like Pompeo and some of them. You know, but he didn't last. <laughs> um, there's still policies that I like. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm a Catholic and Joe Biden says he's a Catholic and he isn't standing by the things that I abide by. Are you particularly talking about abortion? That's one of the things. There are other things uh, because I feel like life is valuable. Mm -hmm. And my concern with all of this is that we're saying to our young people that human life has no value. Let me put this in, into the broader context of the race with a couple show of hands questions. How many of you think generally President Biden's doing a good job as president? We got two hands, one kind of so-so. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you thought President Trump did a good job as president? Rosalie's got her hand up. <laughs> of course. Sue, what about you? I'm a Republican and I favor the policies that uh, the Trump-Pence team put forward. But uh, one thing that bothered me and caused me then to vote for President Biden was Mr. Trump's character. Mm -hmm. It's just tearing apart the fabric of our culture, I think. When I look at Trump and I look at Biden, I feel very good that in Biden's administration, there seems to be order. In Trump's administration, there was always consternation, <laughs> always challenge, and he was on the news every day. So, and of course, you don't have that with President Biden. I, I personally like that. Any advice you would give to Joe Biden or Donald Trump <laughs> as, as you sit here in front of a microphone? Make your legacy in recruiting and passing on for the good of the country. And the same with Mitch McConnell and Einstein. It's just kind of embarrassing. I guess my advice to Donald Trump would be to tell the truth for a change. My advice to um, Joe Biden would be learn how to camouflage your walk because that's where the criticism is coming from. I guess it would just be candid on the subject. Yeah. Advice to both, don't run. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming and having this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you. You're Thanks welcome. to you. You're welcome. That was John Fuller, Preston Scheimer, Susan Hughes, and Rosalie Bablack, senior voters who will help decide who wins Pennsylvania, maybe the election, and next year's presidential race. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink, supporting the Franklin Park and Stone Zoos and their efforts to protect and preserve the natural world for future generations. And Boston Ballet's Fall Experience, featuring four dynamic ballets, on stage October 5th to the 15th. Tickets at bostonballet.org. I'm Rupa Shanoi. Many of our listeners tell us WBUR is essential in their lives. They say WBUR makes the world a better and more informed place. We're the news source they trust most, and we want to be here for the long term. But our future isn't guaranteed. Giving $10 or $20 every month is the best thing you can do to keep this essential service strong. Be our lifeline. Give monthly at WBUR.org. 
And you can also make that generous monthly contribution by going to 1-800-909-9287. That is the phone number to call. I'm Sharon Brody. Jay Clayton is with me in the studio. And together, we are reminding you that It is extremely important for you to step up and support the station that you count on. We have a goal for this fall fundraiser of 2,500 new monthly contributors. We really want you to be one of them. 1-800-909-9287 or go to WBUR.org. You know, the voices of disinformation and misinformation are quite strong across this country. And that means that we need to make sure the voices of truth and facts are equally strong, if not stronger. And for WBUR, for NPR, that comes down to listener support. It is the single biggest source of the funding that keeps this place here for you. So if you're not a monthly contributor, we hope you will start a monthly contribution that will give automatically to keep fueling WBUR and our journalism. If you are a monthly supporter, we hope you'll consider adding just a dollar or two dollars to your gift each month. Those little things add up to very big impact, and that's why we're asking you to consider giving that way. Just go to WBUR.org, that's WBUR.org, or give us a call at 1-800-909-9287 and take inspiration from some other listeners are giving. Just stop for a minute and think about what WBUR really means to you and to this community and think about what you can do to support us. It's important for me to be a WBUR member because it doesn't seem right that I would be getting all of this information, all of this news, and find joy in some of the other programs if I wasn't paying for it and I wasn't supporting it. It's a nice opportunity to participate in the programming and the ideas that the station promotes. I think we all get to say something with our money, even if we give modest amounts. With that money, we make something happen. Your modest monthly gift will make a meaningful difference. Give monthly at WBUR.org. You know, not much makes me happier than when I get a chance to meet people uh, who listen to WBUR and people for whom WBUR really, really matters and people who make monthly contributions to WBUR. So please join your fellow listeners. Make that monthly contribution. 1-800-909-9287. Or you can uh, make that monthly gift at WBUR.org. And now let's put a cherry on top of it, okay? We have an amazing trip to London that we are giving away five days and four nights with uh, accommodations and a nice hotel for you to stay in. It's a trip for two, you and the person that's lucky to go with you, and dinner at four Autolenghi restaurants. These are only in London, so you'll go right to the source of this amazing and really revolutionary chef. His team will prepare all your meals, and you'll be able to have that experience. That is a trip you could win simply by making your monthly contribution to WBUR right now. This is going to end soon, so get in on it while you can. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And if uh, that is tempting your inner foodie, you may also want to get a copy of Otto Lenghi's latest cookbook. It's called uh, Extra Good Things, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list. You can get a copy of it as our thanks for your contribution. 
of $12 a month, and that'll get you a chance to win that trip for London, too. So, And, of course, most of all, you'll be helping WBUR to build our future, sustainable future. That's what we're trying to do in this fundraiser. That's what you will help us do with your monthly gift. WBUR.org or 1-800-909-9287. Think about that. $12 a month um, as your gift to WBUR, and we would be delighted to send you that Autolingue cookbook and you'll be entered into the, you know, for a chance to win that truly incredible trip to London. Uh, That is, what is the value on that, Jay? $7,000. So that would be a pretty amazing reward. But your primary reward, of course, is knowing that you're supporting the station that you count on day in and day out, week in and week out, uh, and uh, throughout the year. 1-800-909-9287. That's how you can call and make your monthly contribution to support WBUR. You can also do the exact same thing by going to WBUR.org. And thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Harvard Institute for Learning and Retirement. Join a vibrant academic community, enjoy in-person peer-led courses on their Cambridge campus, speaker events, special interest groups, and more. Apply by October 25th to start in February. To learn more, visit their website, the Harvard Institute for Learning in Retirement.